BAM Radio Network. You know what a way that PTAs get money now? They auction off the drop-off space in front of the school. That's the handicapped parking space, okay? Wow. And wow. parents are vying for the opportunity to be able to park there and let their kid walk the least, be the least cold, the least endangered, the least exercised. And that's become the norm for good parenting, treating our children as if they can't do anything. I do think that anxiety has gone along with parenting from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. But what's new now is that the parents are allowing their feelings of anxiety to override what is best for a child's development. That's new. Hi, welcome to Body, Mind, and Child with Ray Pika. Welcome, ladies, to Body, Mind, and Child. Howard, in a nation of wimps, you wrote that today's children are experiencing a sanitized childhood. What do you mean by that? Well, they're protected from doing the normal things of childhood. And things like playing on their own, planning their own lives, figuring out how to pick themselves up after making a small mistake. They're not allowed to make mistakes. So they don't gain any coping skills, and they're nice and clean and safe, but they're also fragile psychologically, and that becomes a problem, generally speaking, later on when they leave home for college. You know, it's interesting. Sanitize is exactly the word even physically. I mean, like they're like pickled in Purell. They're just, they're not allowed to even be exposed to, you know, a a single molecule of somebody's snot lest they never recover. And and they're ending up with more allergies and more easily ill than, than any generation before ours. Well, does a sanitized childhood automatically turn a kid into a wimp? Well, you know, it's very interesting because there is a physical event that takes place. If you're not exposed, to enough adversity in the form of germs, your body doesn't develop immunity. And and so you have all of these kids requiring gluten-free diets. You have all of this kind of immunological kind of seepage. Mm-hmm. And that is a fact, and it's also a metaphor mm-hmm. for what happens mentally to these kids. They can't quite meet the normal challenges of life. Well, Lenore, you're probably aware that in an interview, and I thought this was hilarious when I came across it, Hera was asked what she thought about the woman who let her nine-year-old ride the subway by himself. And she didn't agree with those who thought you were the world's worst mom. So why did you let your son ride the subway by himself? And did you not see the risk that other parents see? Well, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of should I put my son in an extremely dangerous situation and hope that he survived. I was really looking at it from the fact that he was talking to me and my husband, sort of begging us, you know, can I please take the subway by myself? I'm ready. Can I do it now? And so we had a very serious discussion, my husband and I, about whether we thought he was ready and whether we thought it was safe enough. And we know the statistics about the subway, but moreover, we're on the subway all the time, and we see that it's filled with people. It's a thriving place. It doesn't strike us as particularly dangerous. And our son was ready, and that's why we let him do it, after we made sure that he knew how to read a subway map, and of course, he speaks the language, and we gave him money for phone calls, and if there was an emergency, he could take a cab. I mean, we really, I thought we prepared him well and that he was ready, and, and that's why we sent him. Okay. Well, Susan, you've written about the many stresses children are experiencing today, all the issues that contemporary children have to worry about that weren't concerns for their predecessors. Don't you think parents have to be overprotective nowadays? I think that parents are, with the use of the internet, 
parents are more hyper-aware of what's going on in the world than parents were when we were growing up. The crime rate was actually worse than it is now. It's a lower crime rate. So I think parents are sensitized to all of the possible bad things that can happen to their children. Should they teach their children to be safe? Yes, absolutely. Are there bad things out there that children need to be aware of? Yes, they shouldn't ignore it and put their children in a protective bubble. However, there's an important balance that children learn. They have to take some smart risks. And our position from our book, Raising Children Who Soar, is that if you don't teach children how to take the good risks, They're not going to be prepared. They're not going to have the thought and the emotional connection to be able to do the positive risks. Do you consider what Lenore and her son did a good risk? I'm not sure. I don't know Lenore. I don't know her son. I think that parents have to make a decision based on knowing their children and knowing the realities of the world around them. And you know, Lenore sounds like a very intelligent person and one who hey, knows hey. <laughs> who knows who who knows what New York City subways are like and you know, I think that's a personal decision. I have to interrupt a second because one of the things that I do in my book is think about our decisions that we make as parents in America, trying to compare them to a couple of different things. One is to different countries where everyone in the world except us sends their kids to school by foot or by public transportation in first grade. So what's considered bizarre and wild and, you know, off the charts here is normal parenting in the rest of the world. And similarly, if you look at other eras, including the one that all of us who are talking here grew up in, even as Susan was saying, the crime rate now is less. So to think that children should be doing less on their own than when we were children is to assume that either our parents were wildly reckless, crazy nuts who sent us out walking to school when they should have kept us inside or driven us in prototypes of the SUV, or that maybe we've become extremely overprotective unnecessarily. And what we're taking away from our children by supposedly just keeping them safe is that we end up treating them almost like they're invalids. I mean, there are schools that, you know what a way that PTAs get money now? They auction off the drop-off space in front of the school. That's the handicapped parking space, okay? And parents are vying for the opportunity to be able to park there and let their kid walk the least, be the least cold, the least endangered, the least exercised. And that's become the norm for good parenting, treating our children as if they can't do anything. One of the problems is that in our culture, it's widespread that we have a complete misunderstanding of risk. Risk Mm -hmm. involves a certain degree of uncertainty. It comes with all movement, and in fact, no movement involves probably even greater risk, but it plays out over an even longer period of time. I agree. I have just two points I want to make to each of the authors in agreement. The first quote we have on chapter one in our book is a quote from Kierkegaard that And in the first stage of a person's life, the greatest risk is to not take a risk. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a wonderful way of putting it, that when you stay stagnant in life, you know, you are not, you're not putting yourself in a good place in terms of... By definition, you're not growing up. You're not growing, period. And in response to Lenore, what you were saying, I can give it a personal experience. I have two children. One Mm -hmm. is now 20 and Mm -hmm. one is 13, both girls. Mm -hmm. As a first-time parent with my older daughter... It was my fears that I held her back from doing things that allowed her to be independent. Now, she has a different temperament, a different kind of strengths and weaknesses. My younger daughter, and it may be being the second child, but it's also her temperament, 
is much more sort of savvy about the world around her. She's kind of street smart. Mm-hmm. And at 13, I allow her to go about the city. She checks in my cell phone. I know where she is, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't let her go on the subway alone at night. <laughs> Those kinds oh, of night things. Is <laughs> yeah, no, night is a whole different category. And I, w- I do want to say one other thing. I do think that anxiety has gone along with parenting from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. But what's new now is that the parents are allowing their feelings of anxiety to override what is best for a child's development. That's new. So are we all in agreement that risk is the antidote to wimpiness? Right. Nobody is suggesting, you know, let's send them down the river uh, on a raft uh, and, you know, hope that they kill enough squirrels to live. You want to train your kids. I mean, what you want to do is somebody wrote to my blog, Free Range Kids, saying the bottom line is risk management, yes. Risk elimination, no. And that's, I think, what we're talking about. The idea has gotten in the society that there's a way to have zero risk at all. That's why we have people suing if they trip on the sidewalk. There should have been no risk to them at all ever walking on the street. It is somebody's fault and they're going to sue. We assume that we should be in a perfect world, and if we're not, somebody's to blame. And in in the case we're talking about blaming parents is if anything bad happens to a kid, we immediately blame the parents just the way we used to blame rape victims. You know, it's just as cruel. It's like they they weren't watching her closely enough. I I would never let my daughter do that. I would never let my son out of my sight. And there's zero sympathy. There's zero belief in fate or God or anything that like something from on high, you know, determined what's happening other than it was all the parents' fault. She should have never broken her arm. You know, there is a process, an important process of teaching your child what's a good risk and what's a bad risk. And in Raising Children in Store, we, we talk a lot about this temperament, personality, fit between parent and child, and the parent really working to understand who their child is, where their strengths are, their weaknesses are, and helping them take the steps to making good risks. Because we really, I think all three of us want to underscore that we do not want our kids taking poor risks, but that there is a temperament of a child, and the parent needs to understand who the child is and help them from where they are at to take the next step. For one child, a risk can be raising your hand in class. And for another child, that may not be a risk at all. It could be something like being able to study hard and take the risk of of them knowing that they care a lot about the product of what they're doing. We're running out of time, so I'm going to interrupt. I want to offer some advice to our listeners. Hara. Well, I think the best thing that parents can do is to foster independence. And I think the first thing that they ought to do is back off. I think kids are little. They should allow their kids to play freely with other kids, unmonitored, without parents intervening. I think that's the single most important thing. It actually fosters brain development and fosters the development of the executive portion of the brain that helps kids make good decisions. So it's really important on a lot of fronts. Okay, Lenore, what's your best advice for parents? Oh, this is just one of the little tips I give in my book. Leave your cell phone home for a day, which is just based on my own children calling me all the time, trying to make their tiny decisions, including can they have another piece of banana bread? I once got that call from my son. Forget it, it's home, and they will have to decide if it's time for a snack, if it's time to come home, if they should do their homework first or play first. We've forgotten how to let them even organize their afternoon. Let them do that. Aha, uh-huh. and Susan. I would say self-reflect as a 
parent know about how you grew up, what the environment was growing up, what was your relationship to risk and security, and know your children. And that's an important formula for being able to guide them best. I'd add one more thing. I'd tell parents to let parenting be fun. Time for parents to put fun back in their own lives. Instead of this constant vigilance, Mm -hmm. which is very taxing. Relax a little. So, are you raising a wimp? If so, did you realize you were doing it? Or do you still feel children need extra protection? Leave us a comment with your thoughts, or if you blog or Twitter about this subject, send us a link and we'll put it on our site. Thank you, ladies. It was a lively discussion, as I knew it would be, and I appreciate you being here. You've been listening to Body, Mind, and Child with Ray Pika. This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.